Hello everyone, I'm your host Toko and this is my podcast service for that. Thank you so much for joining. Welcome, welcome back. And as you can tell by the title of this, we're going to be talking about how to stay disciplined. And these lessons or these steps, because there's seven of them, are taken from my understanding of First Thessalonians. It's a very short book and it's very insightful and I hope hopefully this will help people stay disciplined in every aspect of their life but this is mainly focused on our walk with God because once we get that right everything else will start to fall into place because once you get with God everything else becomes a a um, point of reference to God like if you are for example if you're working out for you know the Instagram pictures and the reels once you come to God and you learn the 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 art of discipline, if I can put it that way, then you start realizing that, you know, charm is deceptive. As the Bible says, and what God said when he was um, speaking to to um, Samuel, like, I do not look at the outward appearance of men, but their heart. It's a heart matter. And you start to re- refer to fitness as a way of, number one, keeping your body as a temple for the for the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And the fact that, we aren't meant to be, you know, lustful beings and stuff like that. So that's my that's my version of, you know, saying that this is meant to point everything to Christ. And even if we can get our walk with God right in terms of discipline, then everything else will come into place. So let's get right into it. And speaking of which, the first thing I wanted to point out is that it's a heart matter. Discipline and the lack thereof is a hot matter. If you feel like you are lazy or unmotivated, it's a hot matter. And by that, I mean, it's an inward thing. No amount of reminders and um, books and self-help, motivation, all these things are going to help you get disciplined. They may help you for a little bit. That's just instant gratification or de- or very short-term gratification. But if you want to build longevity in terms of how to stay disciplined when you don't want to be disciplined, it has, to, it has to deal with our hearts. You have to get rid of the problem with our heart posture. And that leads into the first lesson is that our faith should be like a bell, loud and evident, so that we it should draw attention to Christ. That's number one. And the scripture that I'm leaning on this from is chapter one. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8 which says and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere even beyond Macedonia and Archaea for everywhere you go we will find people telling us about your faith in God we don't need to tell them about it okay so Paul is talking to the people of the um, Thessalonian believers here and he's basically talking about how because of their evident faith in God, it is being spread like wildfire. And it's sounding like a bell. If you, for example, and I use this example as a bell. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Because think about it practically. If you hear like a church bell ringing, I don't know if anybody's heard that before. You may not necessarily see where the church bell is specifically, but you but you can recognize the sound and say, oh, that's a bell ringing out there. So our faith should not only just be 
in our inner circle or where people can see us. It should actually go out into the world where people don't necessarily see us like on Instagram. They don't know us personally, but they can recognize that we are people of God. And that's setting the stage for discipline. Number one, in a practical sense, when what I'm trying to say is that we have to, number one, get saved and identify with Christ. Because when we identify as Christians, we're already putting the, the plan into motion. And it sounds kind of dumb, but it's very, it's kind of a small step. I kind of see this step as like a nice small win to start off with. Like, you know, if you use, for example, if you're studying and you're studying for five minutes and then you reward yourself with a one minute break, that's a small start and you kind of have this small little reward. And this is that, this this step is that kind of, you know, small win. And I heard this on a podcast once, I think I've said it before, like simply start and start simply, like just start and start small or simple. That's what it meant. And I think it was on the porch. I love the porch. It's such a good um, God honoring platform. So that's the first lesson. Second lesson is that the approval of only God will cause limitless and holy or fully righteous work as a messenger of God. And it sounds very complicated. It sounds like very philosophical, but it's simply this work and what we're going to be doing to attain discipline has to be done in the right perspective. Now you've gotten saved, but now you still have to keep that perspective of who God is. And as you're getting, as you're cutting things off and as you're transitioning to be a Christian or a disciplined Christian, you have to realize that the, the, the aim is God and not just God, but also winning the approval of God. And I like how um, it's laid out in chapter two chapter 2 of first thessalonians within the same book verse 4 to 6 which says for we speak as messengers approved by god to be entrusted with the good news our purpose is to please god not people he alone examines the motives of our hearts verse 5 never once did we try to win you with flattery as you well know and god is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money verse six as for human praise we have never sought it from you or anyone else so i think paul's being very concise and the one thing i like about paul is that it re- it instantly this portion of scripture instantly reminded me of galatians 1 verse 10 and that's also written by paul where he says i do not work for the approval of man but of god if i'm working for people then i would then that if I it says verbatim, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people my goal, I'll not be Christ's servant. And sorry, I got muddled up there. And I think it's quite important to state this in the very beginning of our faith, in the very beginning of our discipline-based faith. Is that once you identify as a Christian. People are not going to like you. You might lose followers. You might lose friends. I've definitely experienced that. You might even fall out with your family. You might even, you know, start beefing people on the internet. You know, this is the rise of internet and social media. You might start fighting with people on the internet because your values as a believer are different from what the world teaches because the devil has been watching people for the longest time and has caught on to the human, to the human way of life. 
He knows how he can twist the word of God as he did in the very beginning in the in the, of the Bible in the garden. He said, did God really say that? That's a form of him twisting and perverting God's word or corrupting God's word to make it something new. And that's what the world is right now. We've gotten from, we've gone from, did God really say that to people denouncing the evidence of God, denouncing that there is only like, there's only, there's only, so, like, there's, there's only one way to our salvation. They've gone from that little, the devil has gone from that little lie in the garden to, you know, the decline of Christianity, basically. And, as I said, he's very cunning and we need to give the, we need to know that the devil is a worthy adversary. And as you become more serious about your faith, as you're trying to become more disciplined, hopefully through this message, you have to realize that he, there's a target on your back, an even bigger target um, from your lukewarm days. If you are trying to be disciplined, the devil's going to come at you. This is just me being completely real. He's going to come at you with everything. I experienced this. I experienced this personally. I remember when I was starting to, you know, become disciplined. This is a everything that I preach on or teach on comes from personal experience. So it's not me being a hypocrite or speaking out of a place of, you know, inexperience. It's me trying to share what God shows me to the people that listen. So, as I'm saying, as I was saying. I was, um, I think it was two months ago, just when I quit the pod. I was like a month and a half ago. I was like, you know what? I need to be serious. I'm going into a slump. I'm going into like a lukewarm phase. I'm not allowing the spirit to lead me when it comes to Bible reading. I'm not being disciplined. And the moment I started saying, you know what? Let me just put my foot down. Let me just start grinding. Let me start working on my fitness. Tell me why it was impossible to do that. I was faced with so much backlash for my own body. I remember I was saying, okay, I'm going to wake up earlier to read my bible because my biggest thing is like there's not enough time you know in the morning because I want to read in the morning there's not enough time and as soon as I said that I I missed like so many alarms in a row it made me feel so much shame to a point where I was reluctant to bring it to God but what was different was that I knew there was a lie from the enemy I, I literally had to be disciplined enough to over time obviously to say you know what I didn't make that time slot and I'm going to try and read in the evening. That way I wasn't necessarily denouncing the day. I was, um, sorry. Wait, I don't know if you guys can hear that. My sister's busy. Anyway, um, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily denouncing that time or like saying the day is over or it's gone to a waste, but I was still honoring God just at a different time. I don't know if that, that resides or resonates with anybody, but that's just how my mind works. And hopefully through that example, you can kind of see how the enemy can try and discourage you in so in such subtle ways. And I hope I hope through this, you can start to recognize in your own life where you may be discouraged to even pursue God with maybe the same fire that you're used to or the fire that you know that you can have or you desire to have. So... Yeah, my point being is that in the world, there are adversaries, we know this. And yes, we see our adversaries, but that's not, we don't just have physical adversaries. We have, a, we have spiritual adversaries, as Paul again says in Ephesians 6. And it's important to realize that 
the world is not our friend. The people and the spirits of the world are not our friends. So why do we feel the need to win the approval of the world when we can have the approval of God, which is good and righteous? And God always has a perfect will for us. So that's the second lesson is that the approval of God, of only God, will cause limitless and holy righteous work as a messenger of God. And I put the word messenger specifically because we are carrying a message and the message needs to be carried in a very specific way. There's a reason why people who go up on the pulpit and pass the people have to go to seminary school. They have to be they have to have that biblical knowledge before they influence people, before they um, talk to people and pastor people. Because under their leadership, people will be made or broken in the faith. So those people have to have such a, such a conviction for the approval of God. And their message is, their, their message as um, pastors has to come from the approval of God. And although not not all of us are going to be pastors, we still have our part as the, our part to play as a part of the body of Christ. We still have to be messages in our own right. And ministry is not tied to oh being a drummer or all these other things. It's tied to where God has you. If you have a talent and if you have something that is a gift, it may not be an extravagant, you know, you know, I, I write music, da 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 whatever the case is. It may even just be speaking words of encouragement, that's a, that's a gift from God. And that is a form of your own way of carrying the message. And the way that the enemy corrupts, that is for you to serve the spirits and the people of the world by seeking their approval. Now, how we get away from that as Christians is to seek only God's approval and realize that this is a gift from God. And, you know, the difference between serving the difference, the how to know that if you're, side notes, the how to know if you're serving or looking for the approval of the world is if you have pride. You know, if you are prideful in yourself, like, yeah, I'm good at this. Yes, you can acknowledge the, your greatness in a gift, but if you are boasting and making it seem as if you, out of your own spirit, conjured up that gift, that's if you're making it seem that way, then you're being prideful and therefore you're looking for the approval of the world because you feel like you have to justify yourself in order to receive receive the approval of the world. Whereas if you are looking for the approval of God, you come in a, in a, in a posture of humility. You realize that this is a God-given gift. The, the Lord, the mighty warrior of the universe, God, you know, Yahweh, gave me this gift the one that created everything the one who could have given this gift to anybody else gave me this gift and you start to realize that this is a this is sacred you know i think when we look at the people of the old testament the people that were entrusted with messages from god um i think about nehemiah jeremiah um even moses himself people like that took their roles very seriously they took what God entrusted them with very seriously and they never boasted about it because they saw their gifts and their message as in the in the in the in the perspective or from the perspective of humility they saw what God trusted them with from the perspective of humility so that's 
a major lesson, I think, to realize when you are trying to be disciplined and you're trying to stay disciplined. You can become disciplined, but the way you stay disciplined is to have, from the, from the step number two, to have God as your only point of approval. So, yeah. The third step that I wanted to talk about is kind of, I kind of touched on this in the previous step. It was the community aspect of discipline. And I put down here that the commu- a community founded on God keeps the community going. And it sounds very like profound, but what I meant by that was if we build our foundation as believers in the church or in our Bible study or in our family, if you come from a family of believers, that that foundation keeps it sturdy, keeps the community going, that even if one part falls away, God forbid, the seed has already been sown, you know? And there's so much scripture that I wanted to draw on this, draw on to, to solidify this point. And I'm thinking of Matthew 6, verse 46 to 49. And this is, this is the scripture when, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is talking about um those who listen to his word and um, obey it are like those who build their house on a solid foundation. If the winds or the waves come and knock against it, they will not be fall. They will not fall down. Versus those who build, who who listen to the word and not do not obey it, are like those who build their foundation on the sand, and they will be they will instantly crash when the waves and the winds come against it or come against them. And what Jesus is saying is that. Our foundation matters where we plant ourselves, how we plant ourselves and whom we plant ourselves with. Basically, community is very important. And it's important to realize that you have to be in a community where, number one, the Holy Spirit is there. And when I said founded on God or founded in God, I was talking about his principles, specifically the two aspects being the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it has to bear fruit. If you're going to be planted somewhere, it has to bear fruit. And the fruits have to be the fruit of the Holy Spirit, as Paul again highlighted in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 26, love, joy, hope, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think that that's all of them. And also, it has to be, they have to, another part of God's principle is love, faith, and hope. Especially love, because a lot of, Things a lot of people will say that um, I'm thinking about I, I don't know side note this is a big side note but it's gonna make sense when we look at these religious cults I know it sounds very like huh but when we look at these religious cults and their ethos and when you study them I'm I'm really looking into them because I want to see how men of God fall from quote unquote fall from grace so far enough to you know take themselves up as god and just do a whole 180 the absence of the fruit of the holy spirit and love faith and hope i think has been one thing that has stood out to be across all the cults or all the religious cults i've seen and i don't want the community of god wherever you may be planted as a whole the community of god or you yourself where you may be planted to be to be to be reminiscent of a cult it sounds extreme but i want to get my points across this way because a lot of the way the world is going right now is very scary the way 
people are not rebuking sin and calling themselves Christians and calling themselves churches or calling themselves a part of a part of the body of Christ is atrocious. I'm being completely honest. And it's scary to think that we went from the beautiful um, church in Acts, right after Jesus is, is taken up into heaven, the story of Acts, I really, really, it's after the Gospels, I really, really, really implore you to go and read the story of Acts or the book of Acts. It's so powerful to see what church is supposed to look like. I'm not saying there wasn't any corruption because there are two people who like die because they don't give their full tithe. It's a very intense story, but it's, it's an example of how serious sin was at the time. Like they were not messing around, but there was still love. They still prayed. It, there was still so much community to the point where people would sell their, their whole life basically. And not their actual life, but I mean like what makes life like their house, you know, their, a lot of their belongings and their possessions to contribute to this church the early church that is like so much devotion and love for the church and love for the community that i think is kind of absent today it's it's so sad to see how far we've come from and the way we're going is that we will have we might have more cults than we have communities and that's scary that is something that scares me and i think should be a point of warning for everyone so that's why I say make sure that the, they have God's principles, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and love, faith and hope. I think that that is that is very like, imperative for a community of God. And the reason why I say this is because these this community is going to guide you to discipline. And I felt this myself. The times that I'm not in tune with my community, I feel the most isolated and when I'm isolated that's when the devil attacks me think about it a robber is not going to go and rob in a place where there is people when all the lights are on when there's loud music they're less likely to I mean but when you are alone or when the lights are off and the doors wide open or not they are likely to rob your house they're about they're, they're likely to go in and do stuff because they know they won't have to deal with the power that comes with numbers. So when we are slipping away, like myself, like I just said, from our community, we are making ourselves more vulnerable to God, I mean to the devil, and therefore our discipline in our faith is hanging in the balance. So the third point is just as important as the first and the second. We have to be rooted in our community and stay rooted in our community because those people will model the way of Christ in ways that, you know, are living words of the Bible. But I mean, they're going to take, if they're really rooted in Christ, they're going to take what they have learned from the body of Christ, of the body of the book of Acts, or just the whole story of the Bible and live it out. And then that's going to be a way of you, going back to the first point, of you hearing the ringing bell and responding to that by you yourself being a ringing bell and you yourself also being a messenger of Christ. So this is all, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is all coming together. And yeah, that's basically the point I wanted to make. We have to be rooted in the community 
and also it has to be that community has to be built on their own. The scripture is First Thessalonians chapter three verse five to eight, which says, "This is why, when I could when I could bear it no more, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith is still strong. I was afraid that the tempter." had gotten the best of you and that all your work would have been useless. But now Timothy has returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visits with joy and want to see, and, and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. Verse 7. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. Verse 8. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. So, sorry all technical difficulties. But the point that I'm making is backed up by the scripture that the, the seed that Paul planted in the, in the church or the community of the Thessalonican physical, physical, believers, tongue twister, is still growing strong. It's rooted and it's bearing fruit. And that's what our community is supposed to be doing for each and every one of us. And there's another scripture that really emphasizes this point is Proverbs 27 verse 17, which says, As iron sharpens iron, so does a friend encourage another friend. The whole point of, not just the whole point, part of the point of community in God is for us to encourage each other so that we can be sharpened as people of God. Not just to, you know, yes, I went to church, yes, I saw people, Christian people, and I said hi to them but to actually walk away with something which is to be sharpened and be encouraged by our community. So my fourth point is that we have to stay in the will of God to live righteous, to live a righteous and disciplined and pure life. And the scripture that I'm going to be using to lean on this is the one that I misread, which is First Thessalonians 4 verse 1 to 7. And it says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, as we have taught you. You, you live this way already, and we encourage you to, to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in not in lustful passion like the like the pagan pagans who do not know God and His ways. Verse six: Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all sins, and we have solemnly solemnly warned you before, as we have solemnly warned you before. Verse seven: God has called us to live holy lives not impure lives verse 8 furthermore anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not obeying human teaching is not disobeying human teaching but is rejecting god who gives his holy spirit to you and although this is talking about um sexual immorality i think the nature of sexual provision can pattern the way that we deal with living a non-disciplined life, if that makes sense. 
the way that the nature of sexual perversion and sexual morality works can pattern the way that we see ourselves in the way in in the sense of not being disciplined when we think about sexual perversion it's it's kind of like a wildfire you know i think someone wrote about this in the bible that's where i'm getting this from it has no boundaries it has no limits and it's gonna get dangerous and it's gonna get hot and when people deal with their um desires and stuff like that especially in the world they don't necessarily abstain abstinence is kind of like a a prudish way of dealing with you know your desires because the world's going to tell you these days to you know um be your own self you know explore in that area and all these things but that is not the way god has told us to deal with sexual impurity and sexual immorality he has not told us to just you know go with the flow and be who we are and all these things he has told us in the word that we just read to stay away from these things and these the nature of that that i just outlined of it being like a wildfire is kind of like the way we can view our state of discipline or the lack thereof because we're all here to learn about how to stay disciplined and in this point of verse four, staying the will of God, staying away from sexual perversion. I'm not saying that everybody who is disobedient is dealing with sexual perversion. I'm not saying that people can be, but the point that Paul made about how we are supposed to stay away from these things is a form of staying, keeping the will of God. So if we take the core essence of staying away from what God has highlighted as wrong, we will be staying in God's, we will be staying in a way that will allow us to be disciplined. And this scripture reminds me of 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12 to 20. And I'm going to paraphrase. It, the scripture talks about how we, are, we cannot we 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 can have everything the first part says that you know yeah we're allowed to do everything but not everything is good for you yes we can be on our phones you know if you have an internet addiction like i used to we can be on our phones but being on there for too long is not good for us and that portion of scripture convicts me a lot because in this world where everything is at the tip of our fingers when we think that a hedonistic lifestyle is the way to go and the way to be in and trendy is something that we should be we should be um modeling our life towards or modeling our lives after it's i think it's just i think it's really it's really sad like i'm sorry i lost my train of thought um what i'm trying to say is that in this day and age when a lot of the things that we glorify are just basically hedonistic. The word of God does not allow us, it does not, does not, does not, um, does not, does not, hmm, what word can I use? Does not allow us, yeah, does not give us the go ahead, is what I wanted to say. Does not give us the go ahead to live this lifestyle because that is not, that is not doing things in, in moderation. And that is not even that is not even glorifying God. It's a form of idolatry. When we are 
living in a life where hedonism of anything is taking center stage, we are making that thing an idol. And when we follow into these desires, such as, you know, sexual perversion, as Paul was saying in the scripture, we are making an idol out of the things that we desire above God. And that will lead us to not living a disciplined life. And I especially felt this in my in my K-pop stand phase. I know, I know, it sounds kind of stupid, but when you are a K-pop stan, side note, you can skip ahead. If you, is this really bo- bores you? Yeah, I am very embarrassed to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it because this is what the Lord wants me to talk about. So, yeah. When you are in the K-pop space, it's very, it really does promote a lot of idolatry. You must stream constantly, the, you must constantly stream the music. You must watch every live event, everything to be a proper fan. And no one is, is, no one is, is, is necessarily saying that, but the culture itself of the way they market their idols, they literally call them idols, encourages you to do that. And when you don't have discipline in that area, when you allow yourself to indulge in that in a hedonistic, idolatrous way, everything else falls apart and you don't have discipline in any area i was not disciplined in my faith i was not disciplined in my sleep schedule i was not even disciplined with the time that i spent with my family because i was overly indulging in this thing and the same thing happens when it comes to you know sexual things when you are overindulging in something when you are watching inappropriate things when you're following people who are inappropriate you're going on these types of websites you are overindulging in something that is the corrupt view of a gift that God gave to married people. And therefore, when you are not disciplined enough to wait until marriage, who who knows what else you're not going to be disciplined enough to wait for or do? So I think the point of using sexual perversion here in this chapter is excellent because that is one of the things that the devil has successfully corrupted in the in the world, not just in the Christian space, in the world. And once you indulge in that, as I have before, you are going to be thrown out of balance in every area of your life because it's that version of viewing a covenant that God or a gift that God gave to people, to married people specifically. If you let that, if you view that out of the realms that God has given you and you allow yourself to not be disciplined enough to obey God's will in that sense, you're going to fall into, you're going to fall out of God's will and you're going to be therefore not disciplined. So yeah, I know I'm talking in circles here, but that's the point I wanted to make. And my fifth point is that remember what you're working towards. Now I'm not necessarily saying that we, we are working for our salvation or anything like that because salvation is a gift as the bible says a gift given freely but the works that we do in our salvation our gift of salvation keep us from straying from the will of god that's the point i'm trying to make and this is evident in chapter 4 verse 15 to 18 and it says we tell you this directly from the lord we who are still living when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of, the, of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive will remain on earth. Who rem and remained on earth will be caught up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage the, each other with this, with these words. So, I chose this portion of scripture because I wanted people to realize that, along with realizing that the view of God or the approval of only God will cause limitless and holy righteous work as a messenger of Christ, we should also realize that as as this is gonna as surface level as this is gonna sound, there is a reward for our work. You know, we are working towards something. We're working we're working towards the resurrection. We're working towards worshiping God forever. And that comes with 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 whatever God has deemed as right right and righteous. And I think I've said this before on the pod I've said this to people that there is no internet addiction allowed in heaven. There is no, you know, inappropriate video watching in heaven. There is no cussing in heaven. There is no whatever the case is in heaven. So while we're down here, <sighs> that sounds really bad. But while we're down here, we, we might as well work towards not needing that. And I know it's very controversial because we won't necessarily sin in heaven. We're not gonna sin. We're not gonna have the desire to that because God's gonna do is gonna do away with that. But we might as well put it to practice, as very superficial as it sounds. But I hopefully it it clicks to some people that the lifestyle that you may be leading here on earth that causes you to stay out of discipline with God is a lifestyle that has no place in heaven. So you really might as well, you know, work towards heaven. Yes, you are saved through the gift of salvation, but realize that the reason why we're supposed to be, you know, disciplined in every area of our lives, staying away from sexual impurity and staying away from foul and abusive language is because those things have no place in heaven. Those things have nothing, those things have no place in heaven. God doesn't cuss, God doesn't do all these things. So why 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 do we why do we feel the urge to do that? It's because that's a plot from the enemy. That's a seed that the enemy has planted into us. Because the like I said earlier, the enemy has observed us for so long and realizes that human beings are easy to, you know, manipulate, as sad as that is. And he unfortunately has gained a lot of traction and has his experiments on humanity have been successful. So why can't we swim against the, the gradient and swim against the force and live a life that is patterned after discipline and looking towards heaven for our eternal reward? I'm not necessarily saying work so that you can get into heaven. I'm saying that you, as we enjoy the gift of salvation, we might as well live in a way that that is preparing us for heaven, you know? Let's experience heaven on earth by forsaking the things that are not of heaven. 
not of God. That's my point. Hopefully that made sense. And the scripture that I used as well was Matthew 6 verse 43 to 45. Okay, the fifth point I wanted to make was, no, the sixth point, my apologies, is that respect men of God. And it's very kind of, it's kind of like out of left field. But please walk with me for a second. Hear me out, y'all. Hear me out. And I use this specifically because I think when we when we have experiences with pastors, leadership, be it online or in person, that can make or break our faith. And I've had so many experiences where preachers on stage, whether it be online, especially the pandemic when I was like really beginning to know God for myself those pastors had things that said things and you know had very impactful sermons that really are the way I model my life in Christ for today like up until this day the thing that I spoke about earlier about simply start and start simply that was a pastor who spoke about how we shouldn't be overwhelmed when we can't get things right if I'm not mistaken and that really changed me and it's a reminder that I have on my phone daily like you know don't don't try and overwhelm yourself with these things and even just I think it was Stephanie Mae Wilson on her podcast when someone was on there someone came and spoke about how um there's only so much we can do I'm trying to find the reminder now and this was impactful to me oh yes it says set happy realistic goals for yourself it wasn't necessarily a pastor, it was a woman of God who was talking about how sometimes as women of God in our walk with God, we can be kind of encompassed by these goals that we have for ourselves. And then when we're not necessarily moving towards this ginormous goal, an unrealistic goal to try and achieve in one setting, we kind of feel discouraged and feel like we're not doing enough for God. But she said, break those goals down into happy, meaning that it has to be a joy-filled thing and realistic goals for yourself happy happy and realistic goals for yourself that way that when you have these small wins you're able to you know work towards something without actually feeling burnt out so yeah that's just an example of how men of god women of god have spoken into my life and if i had not respected them i wouldn't have taken them seriously and therefore i would have had a heart of stone we have to have a heart of flesh to receive the word of god Sorry, <clears throat> we have to have a heart of, we have to have a heart of flesh, and we have to, in order to have a heart of flesh, part of that is to respect leadership, because as the word says, in chapter four, I mean chapter five, verse, verse twelve to thirteen, it says, "Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you your spiritual guidance." Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live in pe- live peacefully with each other. So I think Paul's spitting right here. <laughs> Not to even use that word. I've been listening to a lot of Nick Jones. You should check him out. He's a, I, I love his content. He says that a lot. So, um, you know, but yeah, Paul is, Paul is being very truthful here that they give us spiritual guidance and part of that spiritual guidance will 
in, in turn show us how to be disciplined. No pastor is going to, no righteous pastor is going to lead people into a ditch or a ditch of where, or a place where we can say, yeah, no, don't be disciplined, y'all. You know, read the Bible once a month. They're going to tell you to set a time, set aside time for God. They're going to tell you to, you know, read your Bible every day. That requires discipline. People think it's easy. Like, I am two years saved, like, for myself, like, saved. And sometimes I struggle, especially in the wintertime when it's time to get up early. I'm like, Lord, I'm, I can't. Um, it just takes discipline to wake up and do it because aside from that, I want to make like a little sign on. I feel like I've been talking about discipline or not. Discipline is not supposed to be seen as legalism. Discipline is, like I said, a heart posture. And we have to have a heart of love for God in order to be disciplined. Jesus said, those who love me obey my words. Obedience takes discipline. Like if you are going to, if you're going to study, you say, okay, fine, I'm going to obey my teacher, my math teacher and study. But I need to be disciplined enough to obey. And in this case, I need to be disciplined enough to study. If I don't study, if I don't have discipline, I'm not going to study and therefore I'm not going to be obedient. So, yeah, when you are thinking about discipline and all these things, I want you to realize that it's a hard posture and we're supposed to do it out of love for God not because we're being forced to or because we're fearing the wrath of God. That is legalism and that is not biblically accurate. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that side out there. I think I should have, I think I should have said this in the beginning, but, yeah. So, that is the scripture I wanted to use for this section. And Hebrews, Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. They... Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. And I think it was very powerful because the people that we trust our our Sunday bread with, being the church or whatever, people that, be, that, that, that preach in the pulpit, those people have, like I said in the beginning, have years of seminary and theology work, theology, theology work, under their belt and if they are real holy spirit convicted men of god they are gonna lead you into a lifestyle of discipline there are countless people i'm gonna name i'm gonna name people maybe you guys can also listen or watch them alex wilson and, his, and lokalani wilson they are absolutely like they really i can't even describe them they're just really really good they really um have this lifestyle of discipline. They they really preach the word of God in a way that wants you to be disciplined. Like every time I noticed this one, every time I would stray away from God and I listened to their message, I would be convicted to come back onto the path. I'm like, well, okay, I'm doing too much. They need to actually live a lifestyle of God. I would be so excited to live in a disciplined way for God because of their message. And that's a way of the people, the men and women of God who are, who are, place in my life having a having a way to rear me onto the right path i'm gonna speak on um ta ta um timothy atik from the porch and just the whole porch um the whole porch community dmar like if you go down if you go further back in history there are a lot of pastors that used to preach on there a lot of people on that on that um forum have changed the way i see christianity and i really want 
people to find several men of God and just preachers in general who will who will help them stay disciplined. Jackie Hill Perry, I love her so much. I talk about these people a lot. Like, I'm pretty sure if, you, if, you, if you've been listening to my podcast for a long time, you've heard me talk about these people for a long time because that's just how impactful they are. So respect the people that God has called to speak on pulpits and respect in general men and women of God, men of God, as the word says, because that will elicit out of us a heart of flesh and help us to stay disciplined. That was my, that's my second last point. And the last point I wanted to make is a very simple one, but it takes a lot of, you know, willpower, which is be like Jesus always. And it sounds like, huh? It sounds very abstract. Like, what do you mean talks? Like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the way Jesus lived. If you're a new believer, I really encourage you to read the book of Matthew. It's a very nice, concise way of looking at Jesus's not way um gospel that looks at Jesus's life and just recounts the story of Jesus the Messiah and if you look closely to the life of Jesus he was very disciplined very disciplined until the end and the end i mean in Matthew 26 verse 39 when he says father um if you can, please take this cup of, away, cup of suffering away from me, but I want your will to be done, not mine. That is discipline because that is a time, just for context, when he's praying and he's going through hematotrosis, which is to, to basically sweat blood because of the impending, the impending cross, the cross that is to come, the crucifixion that is coming. You know, Judas has just gone to betray him and he's, he's praying that, Lord, take this cup of suffering away from me. I don't want to do this, basically. But in the end, he says, let your will be done and not mine. That is discipline. How many of us have been asked to, I don't know, pray over people? And maybe you're like, yeah, if the Lord asked you to pray over someone the day before, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then when it comes to actually doing it, the Lord is like, do it now. You're like, no, Lord, I don't want to do it. And then you don't do it. That is not working in discipline because that is not being obedient to what the Holy Spirit has put onto your heart. And Jesus was, in this example, is showing us that needs being what being God's will for us is far more greater than our wants, which is our will. You know, we want stuff, but do we need it? We want a boyfriend, but do we need it? We need to experience intimacy with God before we can want, before we can step into a relationship with, with somebody else. We need to experience God on a personal level on an intimate level so intimate that we don't necessarily idolize marriage and relationships because our wants can be a form of idolatry and we are self when we are seeking ourselves, and we are being self-driven is what i wanted to say when we are seeking our own wisdom that is a form of idolizing our own consciousness and our own minds and our own, own way of being versus seeking the will of god and seeking God at all times and Proverbs three verse five and six I think it is trust in the Lord with trust in the Lord with all your heart do not do not lean on your all do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him that is talking about how we as Christians are meant to put our all on God make Him our need and eventually our want 
I, the, I, the, what do I want to say? When we make God our need, eventually he should become our want. When we, when we hunger for God so much, everything else should perish. And not, it may not even perish. It may, it may even just become secondary, far secondary to God and his will. So much so that we consider, not even consider, we prioritize God as the number one thing above everything else, including our wants. So that's, that's the point I wanted to make. So modeling after Jesus in this way is vitally important because Jesus could have easily sent, like he did say, that, yeah, don't you realize that I could call on a, a, on a legion of angels to rescue us right now? He knows that he knows his power, but he still chooses to be obedient to the will of God. And this time, in this context, his will, the will of God was to save humanity. Now, we're not all going to be saving humanity, but some of us, our will may even be choosing to forgive someone. The, the will that God has for us may even be choosing to forgive someone that has hurt us so deeply over wanting to get revenge. You know, vengeance is for the Lord, the word, the word of God says. Let's trust God with that anger and step in obedience in that example. But in general, let's trust God and then lead in obedience so that we can be disciplined and not be swayed by any sort of emotion. Because the word says in um, I guess Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, when we lead with our own wants and our own hearts, we don't even know who we might be in the next five minutes, let alone the next five years. So who are we to let our emotions dictate our future in some instances, in our, the, big, the biggest decision of our lives? All these things, who are we to do that when the Lord of the universe can see in the past, now, and in the future? Why can't we just trust in him? Why can't we be disciplined enough to lay down our wants and need God? You know, I'm preaching to myself here. I'm not just saying this to sound like a like a hypocrite. And it's so interesting, furthermore, when we read this last portion of scripture of First Thessalonians, the characteristics that Paul lists as final advice are so similar to the way to the characteristics of Jesus. The instructions that Paul gave to the Church, the believers in Thessalonica are so similar to the way um, Jesus lived. And it will make sense in a second. Let me read this. We're going to be reading in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14 to 22. And it says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and for all people always be joyful never stop praying be thankful in all circumstances for this is god's will for you who belong to christ jesus do not stifle the spirit verse 19 do not scoff at prophecies but test everything that is said hold on to what is good stay away stay away from every kind of evil that's verse 21 verse 22 says Oh, that was verse 22. Verse 23 says, um, this is God, this is Paul's final greeting. That's that's about it. That's what, that's what I wanted to read. 
verse 22 was stay away from every kind of evil now when you look at these little points i really encourage you to read the second part i mean this small part of um chapter 5 verse 14 to 22 and i want you to if you have read the gospels and if you're planning on reading the gospels read these portions of of scripture and meditate on them and when you, the next time you read the gospel or if you have already read the gospels jot down next to each of these points each time that jesus has shown himself to be this way jot down the way that um these scriptures of these few verses reflect Jesus' life. I'm gonna take one for example. When we look at how um when we look at verse let's see verse twenty, do not scoff at prophecies. There were several times when Jesus said it is written. That is a prophecy. That is that is literal prophecy when he says it is written. There's even a time when he sits down, reads a scroll and you know gets back up like he you know he then further prophesies himself that is him not that is not that is him not scoffing at prophecies but rather acknowledging them and giving them the platform that they deserve as the literal word of god he even says heaven and earth may pass away but the word of god will never pass away that is jesus acknowledging prophecy and the power that lies in prophecy because if he did, if he scoffed at prophecies, if he was like, Ugh, it doesn't make any sense. The entire Bible before the gospel would have been, would have looked kind of goofy, like not even to sound funny, but like it would have looked very confusing if Jesus had, if Jesus had not acknowledged the prophecies. And what better way to, you know, be disciplined enough to be the man of God? I mean, not the man of God. The god as a man then to acknowledge your coming you know your the 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 stage that was set before you and what that means for us as people of god who are trying to be like jesus it means that when we are encountering um the end times for example and we are tempted to say um yeah let me just get everything in i'm gonna do whatever i want before jesus comes and then you know maybe just before the last sign of the end times i'm gonna give my life to christ we can rather than rather than panicking and living a hedonistic lifestyle we can rather step out and acknowledge the prophecy and not scoffed at it or disrespect it because i think scoffing is a form of pride like ugh, you know we can rather than being prideful and indulging in our own sin when i want to say it as it is instead of saying hedonistic lifestyle sin we can be humble enough to accept the prophecy of the end times and use it as a way to look at what we're working towards because these are the signs of us going up to going up with god into the clouds as we read in chapter 4 about the hope of the resurrection chapter four um we can use the prophecy of the end time to spread the gospel be the sounding bell we can use the prophecy of the of the end times to launch to to stay rooted in our communities to encourage our community to encourage others to stay in the body of christ not to slip away we can also 
use the prophecy of the end times to reflect on what God's will for us is and how to live a righteous life. We can also look, use the prophecy of the end times to respect the man of God that were actually prophesying and the other prophets who came before John who actually wrote the book of Revelations. And I wanted to say that I'm saying that often, not often, I'm saying that con continuously because I want the points that I've made to link back to this final point of being like Jesus. And in this case, not scoffing at prophecies. Jesus's life was constantly like full circle. Like there are times when I'm reading, for example, I was reading First Samuel 17 and I don't even know why this blew my mind, but when I saw that that David was a shepherd, I was like, this is this is literally foreshadowing Jesus. I'm like, oh my gosh, David is like the physical shepherd, and then Jesus is gonna be the shepherd of the people. Like, oh my God, God ate. Like, I'm thinking like that. I don't know why I thought like that. I was like, Lord, you ate. But that was me. That was me realizing that the story and the life of Jesus, the whole like Jesus as a as a whole being was constantly full circle constantly full circle even those around him had constant full circle moments like Peter was a fisher and then Jesus said yeah I'm going to teach how to be fish of men and then what did Peter do later on he was literally the one who brought 3000 people to Christ that was him being official of men. And that was him being like Jesus. So my point is, is that when we look at Jesus and how to be like him, it's not something that's gonna be out of left field, like, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dig into the archives here of of ancient Hebrew and go to, you know, Israel to kind of no, we can literally look at the Bible, we can literally look at the the um the gospel of Matthew and the gospel and we can look at the Bible as a whole we can zoom out and look at the whole story of the Bible in order to know how to be like Jesus God has made it so simple for us that there's that, that there's everything that we need to know about how to live a disciplined life and how to stay disciplined in the word of God and so I say this leading up to my next point and say that please spend private time with god like please genuinely like after you click off of this podcast if you if you haven't already please go and spend time with god worship music pray read the bible please 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 because even though i've said a lot and i've you know gone on i think this is going to be like an hour long because y'all this is a this is a this is a lesson that has been brewing for like a few months i i still want people to spend to go and look into it for themselves i can't i can't answer f to god on your behalf when on the last day you know when he comes back you have to you have to answer to him for yourself so i really implore people to not just like hear what i'm saying or listen to what I'm saying and just be like, yeah, no, whatever. Yes. Bible time done. Yes. It's a form of 
the podcast is a form of you learning about the word of God. But also, it is also not supposed to be the only way you learn about God or the only way that you consume God. We should also look into it for ourselves. Let's have a personal relationship with him. So I'm saying this because I love you. Please go and spend private time with God if you haven't already. If you have, don't let this be like, yes, I've done enough. Now let's go and sin. No, let's let's prioritize God, y'all. Let's actually be people who hunger for God. So yeah, that is everything that I have. I'm not going to drag this on for any longer. It has been long enough. I apologize for the cuts in advance. I had to cut this up in pieces because it's so long. But yeah, hopefully the point gets across on how to stay disciplined. I love you and most importantly, the Lord loves you. Please stay safe, guys. Bye. As you may or may not know, Christians are being persecuted in other countries on a daily basis. So I believe it's up to us Christians, fellow believers in Christ, to support them either financially or spiritually. So would you please, please, please click the link in my bio under persecuted Christians, support them financially and join me in prayer either five minutes, two minutes a day just to pray for them and pray for their strength and their courage to continue worshipping God and to continue following Jesus. Thank you.